0: Welcome to Teacher Talk. I'm your host, Nita. The purpose of this podcast is to have those tough talks with parents of individuals with special needs. I've been in the field for 30 years, and we educators need your help. help. Our sponsor today is Untouched Products, all handmade skin and hair products. Which I use and recommend. recommend. If you would like to experience an organic skin and hair care product, go to SC, type in untouched products, no space, and and enjoy. Welcome to Teacher Top 10. This is your host, Nita. How's everyone doing? I know you're having a hard time with the COVID, but I hope everybody is doing what they need to do individually for their health. Our podcast this week is uh, on interviews and spontaneous conversations. I know that I have always said I talk with a lot of people. And if you're a parent or a teacher of special needs individuals, you know this is a very sensitive topic. Not all parents want, you know, my name out there or they want their child's name out there. Some do, some don't. So I have some basic, basic uh, interviews and spontaneous conversations I've had with parents. Some have let me use their children's name or their adult's name, and some haven't. But I think you'll get a gist of the conversation. The first one I want to start with is a fine, fine young man. His name is James, and he's 19 years old. And just in visiting with his mother... I said, do you mind if I ask you a few questions uh, about your son? She said, sure. And uh, I said, well, what would you like to share with me? And she said, well, it really upset me. It really upset her when she observed her son doing a first grade coloring sheet in his adult Bible class. Now, how can he be an adult Bible class? He's 19, and he's doing a, a first-grade coloring sheet. And he's pretty smart. He's a reader. If you help him, he's got some very basic understanding, but he can comprehend some. And the one comment the mom said to me was, they're adults, and we need to treat them like adults. We should not dumb them down because they will do The path of the least resistance. And we know that is true. We have to push them to do adult things. Parents, you do not want to coddle them past the coddling known ages. You want them, they're going to be adults. This young man is 19 years old. I'm telling you, his mom and dad have done a wonderful job with him. Like I said, he's a reader, he's a writer, and he manages himself quite well, quite well. The next parent that I had the opportunity to speak to was talking to me about the grief cycle. And I was talking to her about it, really, and she said, oh, oh, don't even mention that to me. And I said, well, you know, the grief cycle has all of these steps. And she said, yeah, I know. She said, but I think... It's like uh, 35 times I've been through the grief cycle. Because every time it's a growth moment, the parents have to concede to something that's going to happen or not going to happen. That's period. That is the life of a parent raising an individual that may have some cognitive challenges. They do have growth periods, and by me being in education, I have seen it, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, he just grew. He did something independent, or he did something without being prompted. I myself have seen that and have been so excited because growth comes for our guys at a different time, sometimes at a different place. Parents make your special needs child part of the family. This is important. This is so important to just include them. I mean, you've got Mary and Sally, and then you've got Bobby. Okay, Bobby got a condition, but it doesn't change that he is still a member of the family. Just because they're handicapped, don't let the siblings act like they're embarrassed to be around them, to let everyone know, this is my brother or my sister. You may not believe it. But yes, this does happen. I know. I have seen it. And I was in all awe. I said, oh my goodness. And an example of this is, and I don't know if parents want to know this, but I'm just going to tell you. uh, If the siblings are at the same school, they'll walk past, past each other like they don't know them. They have no idea. They don't even know them. But, the son or daughter that is handicapped, they know that's the person they see at home. There they go. Maybe they're nonverbal. Or maybe they are. But you're trying to figure out what is the scenario. What just happened? I have a, a story of this. I was uh, had one of my students. And we were in an uh, open area. And someone passed. I wasn't even aware. And they almost... Fell off the chair trying to follow that person. And then when I was like, come on, let's go. They were just still staring and staring until the person was out of sight. Well, I had uh, my aide. I said, go track. Who is that? He, you know, he's just like, oh, 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 oh. And then they were finally gone. And we were able to get back on course. But it was like, who was this person? So after we did a little investigation, we found out that it was his brother. He had seen his brother just walk past him like he didn't know him. And I was like, oh my goodness. He recognized him. And from that point on, when we were in our open area where the mainstream students would pass, he would spend the first I don't know how many minutes just looking around to see if he'll see that face again. And if he sees that face, maybe it'll come over. I don't know what he was thinking, but I can tell you, he looked and he looked and he looked until a point that he decided, I better go ahead and do what I'm doing here because maybe uh, he's not coming. And this truly happens. Now, parents, do you want to know that? Huh? Do you want to know that? That the kids, that your child... Acts and bears. I doesn't want anyone to know that that's their brother or sister. Now, I don't. Don't get me wrong. I've had the total opposite too. I've had. Oh my goodness! I've had the siblings come by, check on them, say hi, give them a hug, say high five. They see them in the hall. They're like, hey, hey, running over, giving them a hug, and it's like, oh my goodness, really. And if I can't tell you how that makes your son or daughter that's in the special ed class feel. Their little chest pops out like, yeah, yeah, maybe they can't express it, but yeah, that's my brother or that's my sister. And, you know, that, I just wonder if that's something that parents would want to know, are they aware of that they would let their siblings um, not really be fully taking them somewhere with them or doing something because it's embarrassing. I hope not. And this leads me to my next and my last interview for this particular cast. I was at a restaurant with another client, but it was all of the peers were going there to eat lunch out. And the parents could come, our, our uh, providers could come. So I was there. And I sat next to this lady, it was very sweet. And she said, This is my daughter. And I said, Oh, okay. And let me tell you, the daughter was so attentive to her mother, it was unbelievable. Uh, let me get that for you. Can I help you? Do you need something? Can I get that? The mother, I'm going to tell you, she told me her age was 80 at the time of the interview. And I'm going to say her daughter was probably 60 or maybe younger, maybe 50. And I said, oh, really? I said, you know, I'm going to do a podcast. Do you mind if I interview you or ask you some questions about your daughter? She said, no problem. I would love to do it. This particular interview took place July the 2nd, 2019. So the talk, Teacher Talk 10 has been in my mind for a long time. And I've just been collecting and collecting. And it's culminating down to my podcast. But let's get back to the interview. So, Her daughter, I have on here now with my notes, 59, and she was born brain damage, no oxygen to the brain. The doctors didn't get her to the incubator in time, and she was diagnosed as MR, mentally retarded. That's the term that was used back then. She was at the hospital in Navasota, Texas, then went to Galveston for treatments, parents noticed child did not reach the set of milestones that they had expected so the parents went to the doctor, asked the doctor what's wrong it's my child and right away they were the only thing you're going to be able to do with her is put her in an institution. Now you have to remember what time this is and, and uh, when she's had her so this is quite a while back. And she was more than likely born in 1950-something, if she's 59, late 50s. And at that time, when a child was not to, quote, unquote, their expectations of reaching certain milestones, the only thing doctors came up with me, to me was put them in an institution. So she said, no, she didn't do that right away. She was um, trying to take care of her at home. And at home, it just became a challenge, a really big challenge, because she had two other girls, and she could not understand all that she was trying to do with her was not working. And so they sent her to public school, and they said, oh, and the school was like, oh, we really can't do anything for her, and so she stayed at home until she was 10, 10 years old, and they decided to put her in a state school. So my question was, did you put her there when she was 10? They said, yes. They put her in there when she was 10. And how long did she stay there, I asked. And she was there. She was there for, are we ready, 25 years. But let me tell you, I don't have anything bad to say because apparently they did a great job. I don't think she was that, if I could have seen her back then, I don't think she would have been that low of an MR person, mentally retarded, because she had all the characteristics of mimicking really good manners that were around her. And she mimicked them so well that they've carried her on through her life. She went there, and then later they moved her uh, to another state school. And um, they had her there for part of that 25 years. And she had a little job. She was doing, really, she was doing really good. They could go see her. She was a little closer. And they felt like her. Place where she was at was really good for her at that time. But as she got older, the parents realized, or the state helped them locate a good group home for her. Where she went to a group home where she's living now with other young ladies or her peers, and she's able to manage herself quite well, but she does need supervision. As I mentioned in the beginning, mom is 80. And she hopes her daughter goes before her. I said, oh my goodness. And and parents, I have heard parents say this. You know, we're talking a much older child. The parent is much older. What is going to happen? I said, oh, why would you say that? And she said, because her siblings won't have anything to do with her. That broke my heart. I said, this mom chiseled out putting her in the home so she could spend what she was believing, the quality time with her other two daughters, for it to come down to them now as being very grown, saying they don't want anything to do with her. So my next question to her was, what would you say to mothers of a much younger child today? Now I told you this was taken in 2019. And I'm asking her, what would she say? I would just say, be prepared for a while. Just love them and watch out for them. Be sure that they're getting the best care you can get or keep them at home as long as you can. And one thing, Mom did not bite her tongue. She did not bite her tongue on this. She said the one thing that she regrets was putting her in an institution. Because she did it for her two daughters. And now they won't have anything to do with the sister. Group homes have been very good for her. She's very good, independent, and enjoys helping others. And it was so obvious. I mean, she would have just, oh, can I get that for you? She does her own laundry. You can tell she can manage herself quite well. And that's why at my Prior to this, I was saying how siblings feel about their uh, sister or brother that has an impairment. Some of them shun them, and the parents spend more time watching, and this has come from other parents, watching and making sure that that handicap individual is taken care of and everything is just fine. And Your focus there is make sure they're safe because they're not aware of certain things, But also keep your others involved with them so they'll be aware. When you do do this, you need to know your brother's not going to know a car is coming. Or he's not going to know not to pick this up. Or you're going to have to help assist with certain things. I'm not putting the burden on them to take care of them for the rest of their life. No, that journey is for mom and dad to figure that one out. Like I said, this mom put her in a group home. And she is doing quite well. And I just want parents to think about this, consider this, if you have other children. And like I said, this is not in all cases. Come on back with me, some comments. Let's talk about it. You know where to get me at. I'm on Facebook, Teacher Talk 10. I am also on, you can email me at teachertalk10 at gmail.com. And share some of your stories. I would love to tell some other stories. Our interview appearing online, uh, in my podcast. So, reach out to me. Thank you for listening. Thank you, listeners. I hope you've enjoyed my podcast today. Please reach out to me with questions or concern, and share my podcast with your friends and family. You can reach out to me on.